Thank you so much to the worship team this morning. Grateful for you guys and your skills. I, uh, I can't play a single instrument, you guys, so I'm, I'm amazed at the talent here. Grateful for you guys. My name is Johnny. I am the campus pastor here at the bridge, and uh, like Sean said and like Suzanne said, I am excited that you are here with us this morning to join us in worship, uh, whether that be here sitting in the room with us or online, as I know most of you still are. We're grateful for you wherever you're coming at us from. Uh, I, at one point, was an avid reader of technology websites, uh, an avid reader. And when you're an avid reader of technology websites, you know uh, when the latest and greatest phones are coming out, tablets, computers, you know the latest and greatest uh, software innovations that are being made. And back when I was an avid reader of technology websites, I would uh, very much look forward to and anticipate release dates and keynote speeches about new product drops and features and things like that. And part of all of that reading and looking forward to and thinking about all of this new, great, shiny technology was that I found myself wanting to buy all of the latest and greatest technology. I started to believe that all of the new features on the new devices would change my life. I started to really believe that I needed this technology or the new features or whatever it was. I needed those things in my, they were so flashy and so cool, I needed that in my life. Now, I didn't buy uh, everything. I'm not made out of money here, people. Uh, But when I would buy things on occasion, I would pretty quickly find out uh, that I was disappointed. My life really didn't change because of that new thing. I didn't really need those new features that were available on that device. Usually I just ended up using the new thing in the exact ways that I had used the old thing. Usually uh, I just uh, got in the same old routine with my device or in some cases I just didn't use that new device at all. So this morning uh, we are in our final Sunday of our Fruit of the Spirit series. Uh, And the topic is self-control. And I thought that was ironic because I uh, had to use self-control throughout this whole series because I just wanted to stop preaching about the fruit of the Spirit after about week three. I think I said to Suzanne, you know, I don't even think people know there's nine. We could just do five and then like get out. Like nobody's like, who's going to know the difference? Uh, But I used some self-control. And actually, as I prepared for today, I went back and I listened to some of the messages uh, that were preached uh, in the series. And there's some pretty good stuff that's been said at our campuses about this topic. So I'm grateful uh, that we didn't uh, just give up, that we had some self-control. And so we are talking in this series about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what it means to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and now today, self-control. I think for a lot of us, maybe just me, but I think for a lot of us, self-control is an elusive virtue. It's an elusive virtue. On a small scale, this plays out by uh, us knowing that we should not have the second cookie and then us having the second cookie anyway, okay? We all have self-control issues in small ways. Or we see something uh, ridiculous on Facebook. Somebody shares something and we just know how silly and how ridiculous it is. And if you're like me, you struggle with this moment of self-control. Do I tell that person? 
uh, how ridiculous what they have posted on Facebook is, right? We struggle. But there's also large ways that we struggle with self-control. There's, there's ways that our lack of self-control is destructive. We have too much to drink. We, have, uh, we spend money that we don't have. We struggle with pornography or abuse prescription drugs. These are all deeply rooted issues in psychology and addiction, but there's also an element to these issues, these destructive things in our life that is connected to self-control. Self-control has to do with a lot of different things in our lives. So this topic today is a, a topic that touches all of us in some way. Everybody here, everybody watching online, this is a topic that touches us all in some way. Some ways heavier than other ways, but it impacts us all. And it's an area that clearly God cares about for us. It's an area that God cares about for us, and we know that because God says, I'm going to give you the spirit to produce this fruit in you, and the fruit is self-control. So God is interested in us having self-control for the good of ourselves. And so I think it's important for us today to understand the struggle. What's the struggle with self-control? So this morning, we're going all the way back to the beginning to look and see the root of this problem that we have, and hopefully within the story to find an antidote to that which ails us. So let's get into it this morning. We're in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I prepared uh, for this message this morning, I, I went through and I tried to pull ad campaigns that uh, are predicated on our lack of self-control. Ad campaigns that kind of uh, mock the fact that we have no self-control. So maybe you remember the Pringles slogan, once you pop, you can't stop. There was an amazing commercial from the 80s that I found, and I wish, I, did, I don't know what the licensing requirements are on commercials, and that's the kind of stuff Sean cares about. So I didn't play it, uh, but once you pop, you can't stop, kind of makes a mockery, right, of self-control. But there's another potato chip that really has like the slogan of self-control, and that is Lay's Bet You Can't Eat Just One. I was looking up Bet You Can't Eat this, Just One, and this image showed up. I was like, this is perfect. So this is from 1967. Uh, this is a comedian named Bert Lar. He was actually, he played the cowardly lion in The Wizard of Oz. Hey, I don't know this stuff. Uh, so that's why Eve is uh, not very beautiful here, because uh, it's, you know, Bert. And so Bert is eating literally the Lay's, the forbidden potato fruit 
uh, from the tree, and here we have the serpent delivering this uh, lays bag. And the message is loud and clear. Try as you might. You will never have the self-control to stop yourself from eating more than one potato chip. It's like the forbidden fruit in the garden. I just thought that was so perfect. So our text this morning is one of the, probably the most famous in all of Scripture, the temptation of Eve and Adam. And the story is pretty straightforward. It's uh, really weird and bizarre. There's a talking snake, and we just pretend like that's normal. It's not. But it's, you know, it's straightforward even in its weirdness. And the story is, uh, you know, the snake comes, says to Eve, take the fruit. Eve says, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't. And then she does, and that's that. We know the story. Everybody knows, even Bert, right, in the Lazad knows the story. Uh, but we have to remember the larger context of the story. In this story, Adam and Eve are placed in a beautiful, perfect, bountiful garden. They are surrounded by good things to eat and good things to do. The first two chapters of Genesis are all about the generative nature of God in creating a world full of beauty and wonder, and all of it is for these two people. That's what the story is all about. God and all of God's generative creativity builds a perfect world for these two people. They are living in perfect communion with God. All of their needs are met. They are living a life filled with absolute abundance. And when we remember all of that as the backdrop to chapter 3, chapter 3 is pretty jarring because what we see is Adam and Eve in a perfect situation and then uh, along comes the snake and the situation doesn't seem so perfect anymore. Chapter 3 is kind of a turn of events. In the face of all the abundance and all the generosity and all the communion with God, Adam and Eve choose to consume the one thing that is off limits. With a whole world of resources at their disposal, Adam and Eve cannot control their desires for this fruit. They cannot control their out-of-control desires to consume the fruit. And I think that verse 6 most clearly defines the reason why they struggled to practice self-control. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and she ate it. In the face of an entire world full of goodness and food and joy and peace, in the face of overwhelming abundance, in the face of having all of their needs met, Eve and Adam couldn't control their desire to consume to consume literally, to eat the fruit, to consume visually, it looks so good, and to consume what they believed would be knowledge and information, to gain wisdom. They were overwhelmed by their desire for consumption. And as I thought about self-control this week, and I thought about this passage, I realized that I could not separate thinking about self-control from thinking about consumerism. Because I believe that the root of our struggle with self-control is our desire to consume. To consume things like the latest and greatest technology or the fruit of a tree. To consume information. To consume entertainment. And even in strange ways to consume each other. We're driven by this desire for consumption. We struggle with self-control because we are predisposed uh, we see this in Adam and Eve, to 
consumerism. And our wants and our desires and our urges to consume are often overwhelming to the point where we feel powerless against them. What can we do in the face of this desire to consume? What can we do in the face of this rampant consumerism that occupies our minds and our hearts? What can we do? And the problem might have started at the beginning with Adam and Eve, but it is a problem that keeps running through Scripture over and over and over again. In Numbers chapter 11, there's a very stark and startling story about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They become overwhelmed with the desire for food. They need to consume. And so even though God has provided manna, which is literally bread from heaven, for them every single day, they are overwhelmed by their desire to consume more. And they start to say, man, it was pretty good back in Egypt when we had cucumbers and watermelons and meat. We wish we could go back and consume that again. And so as they wander, they want more and more and more. And just like in the story of Adam and Eve, the people's desire to consume is their downfall because God gives them meat. In fact, God says, I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to be coming out of your ears. You're going to beg for me to stop giving you meat. That's like a parent. That's like God in full-blown parent mode right there. So God sends, it says, three feet of quail uh, to the camp. They collect their meat. And then it says, as the meat is in their teeth, a plague strikes the people of Israel. Their desire to consume, their wanton desire to consume overwhelms them. A plague breaks out in the camp, and many people die. There's disastrous consequences. Or there's the story of David and Bathsheba. David was given everything by God. He was a, a man fully blessed and living in abundance. And yet, his desire to consume drove him to some very, very dark places. And like Adam and Eve and the Israelites before him, it led to pain and suffering as his firstborn child with Bathsheba was taken from him. The desire to consume, the desire to take in more leads to destruction. And this is a pattern that we still see playing out today. This is why the Target parking lot is full of cars in the middle of a pandemic. This is why. This is the reason we binge watch hours of TV. This is the reason why so many of us can't even go a few hours without touching our phones. If you're like me, a few hours without your phone and you start to get a little twitchy. This is the reason why. And in many cases, we're not even aware of our overwhelming desire to consume. We're not even aware of it. And so because we're not aware of it, we cannot connect it to the lack of self-control that we struggle with. We're just being informed citizens. I don't have an out-of-control desire to consume. I just want to be an informed citizen. I don't have a desire to consume. I just want to stimulate the economy. I don't have a, a rampant desire to consume. I'm just decompressing after a long day. We don't think in terms of consumption and self-control. We just think of it in terms of our life. This is the air that we breathe. This is what it is to be human in 21st century America. It is to live in an era and a day rampant with consumerism. So yesterday, my four-year-old son uh, came to me and he told me that he needed a new Lego set. He needed it, you guys. He had seen uh, this Lego set that his brother has 
and he decided that he himself needed it as well. So in my house, we have, I did a little math, it's approximately 17 million Legos. Yeah, there's approximately 17 million. There's Legos in bedrooms, there's Legos in the family room, and as much as I say again and again and again that the kitchen is a Lego-free zone, there's kitchen Legos as well. There's Legos all over my house. Sweeping our floors just inevitably turns into a whole process of picking Legos out of the dustpan. My wife doesn't do it. She throws them away. I find that to be a little sacrilegious, so I pick them out. But there's Legos everywhere, everywhere in my house. Lego is the number one toy in my house, which I'm happy for. It's a good toy, but there's no shortage of Legos. So I said to my son, instead of buying a new Lego set, why don't we use some of the approximately 17 million Legos that we already have to build our own version of the set that you want? I said, I bet that we have all those pieces. I bet that we can find all of the pieces we need in what we already have to build that set. And so my suggestion was pretty simple. We already have an abundance of Legos in this house. So instead of being overwhelmed by our desire to consume more, Let's live in the joy of what we already have. So in each of the three stories that we looked at briefly in Scripture, Adam and Eve, the Israelites, and their quail, and David, in all of these stories, the desire to consume and the destructive outcome of consumption is on the forefront. That's the main point of the story. Right on the front, we see how a lack of self-control leads to pain and suffering. But behind the story of self-control and consumption, we cannot miss the broader context. In every one of those stories, God had met the needs and provided for those characters. In the case of Adam and Eve, they lived in a paradise of abundance. The Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, and God literally gave them bread out of heaven every day to continue to meet their needs. David had been blessed by God with resources and children and wives, plural. He had abundance in every way. The desire to consume and the lack of self-control that our desire to consume produces grows directly out of our lack a vision for the way that God has already invited us into abundance. It's a mouthful, you guys. Our lack of self-control and our desire to consume is directly linked to the reality that we fail to live into the life of abundance that God has already invited us into. Our struggle with consumption is directly related to the ways we fail to see how God provides for us already. We consume and we lack self-control because we are trying to fill voids that God has already filled. We are trying to meet needs that God has already met. We are trying to gain something that God has already freely given. And so the antidote to consumerism And the key to accepting the gift of self-control that the Spirit is offering us is to recognize and live in the abundance of God. 
The fruit of self-control flows from an understanding and an embrace of the goodness of God, the God who gave the Israelites manna, the God to whom we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Our lack of self-control and our out-of-control consumerism that drives that lack can only be met by the abundance of God and a recognition that God has already given us everything that we need. And that's where the line between rampant consumerism and self-control is found. We have to ask these questions. Am I informed? Or am I consuming information because it makes me feel smart? Or it makes me feel comforted that I know more? Or because it makes me feel like I have a little bit of control? At least if I know what's going on, I feel like I have a little bit of control. Am I really being informed or am I rampantly consuming this information? Am I resting and taking a break and watching this movie or this show? Or am I numbing myself from some pain or anxiety in my life? Am I decompressing or am I really just unplugging because this is all just too much for me to handle? Are we shopping to meet our needs or are we shopping to fill up some void in our hearts? Are we filling up our houses with stuff because we feel empty inside? What's driving our consumerism? What's driving this out-of-control desire for consumption. This is a message for everybody. This is not a message that discriminates on age, gender, status, whatever. All of us live and breathe <laughs> the environment of consumerism every day. Every person here or watching online, this is a message for me. So what is it for you? Where do you lack self-control because of an out-of-control desire to consume? Is it shopping? Is it social media? Is it substance abuse? Where's the area? Those are hard questions to ask, so we usually just don't. I don't want to ask that question. Sounds very uncomfortable. It's a hard question. It's hard to get inside of your heart and take a real look around. It's much easier to consume and numb and stuff ourselves full, but every one of us knows that the fullness that we're trying to stuff ourselves up with evaporates pretty quickly, and we're just left empty again, and we're right back in the cycle of self-control and consumption. The cycle never ends with anything but emptiness. And then... We come to communion. The last time we did communion, I read out of uh, John 6, and uh, it's a weird passage, so we're not going to get all, into all of it again. In John 4, Jesus is at the well. He meets this woman at the well. Uh, we all know the story, the woman at the well, and she's drawing water, and Jesus says to her, hey, I've got some water that I can give you. If I give you this water, you'll never be thirsty again. She's, she's like, loses it. What are you talking about, man? I would love that. I hate coming here and drawing water. Are you kidding me? Uh, can I get some of this water? And Jesus tells her, yeah, I'm the water. Two chapters later, John chapter 6, Jesus is talking, and he says, I'm the bread of life. He says, you remember manna from heaven? 
guys, it's me. I never run out. When you eat the bread of life, you're never hungry again. Your rampant desire to consume is satiated. All of a sudden, self-control feels a lot easier because you don't need to fill up the void anymore because it's been filled with Jesus. 